2: From the Blue Chew Studios, welcome to Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw. That would be the WWE Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And we got the original rock, the rock, the magnificent one, the first king of the ring, one of the longest reigning intercontinental champions of all time. He is the magnificent Don Morocco. Don, thanks
0: for joining the show. Aloha, live from Hawaii.
3: <laughs> Don, we really appreciate Finally. you taking the time off of the off of the beaches over there in beautiful uh, Hawaii Sunset Beach if I'm not, not wrong you're, you're right off of the Sunset Beach there so yep, man, yep, we appreciate right you taking the time
0: to come out here in the middle of big wave season too, boy it's wow. beautiful out there the, ocean, the ocean's mean, angry yeah <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hey, is this the time of year they have? They have that uh, Duke special where all those where surfers come. Well, yeah, board. the winter
0: time, you know, from November to March, or you know, it is uh, is. But right now is uh, actually it's about two weeks late. Usually, usually hits right around uh, New Year's. All the real huge surf. Now we got. Um, well, we had big, huge surf day before yesterday. And it's supposed to get huge again today. Go down tomorrow, come up again, go down again, and get really big, gigantic on Sunday. But that's just the forecast, you know the, the the maps and stuff out there.
3: I know back back in your day. I know you've retired from the board, also like you have the ring. But back in your day, you you were riding. was some of those big? What's some of the biggest waves you ever caught out there, Don?
0: Oh, I was never. You know, I wasn't. Uh, I was in that 12, 15 foot, not the, not like the big, not like the waves are riding to those guys are just incredible today. are out in the middle of the ocean doing things, you know, towing in. And uh, they have these new foils and all kinds of, uh, they just had. they just ran that Nazare in Portugal the other day. And I saw some uh, footage from there and those waves God, they had to be in the 80, 100 foot range. Wow. That that bay, that canyon in in uh, in Portugal. It's, it's 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 all it's all on the on the on the Facebook and stuff. It's incredible how they can live. To-
3: that's insane. Did you ever meet any of those guys like Hamilton or any of those guys like that, those big time surfers? What, what's in their mind? I mean, their mindset is they got to be insane to go out in the middle of the ocean and get up all those diet waves.
0: Man. Just a different type of athlete. I, I just, uh, now they're really, really, you know, really gone crazy. But I know I, well, I'm, well, you know, about 10, 15 years re- removed from knowing a bunch of the guys. You know, hanging around, knowing, you know, and, and, you know, some of the original guys that uh, I went to school with guys like Jeff Hackman and and Jerry Lopez, you know, original two uh, surfing legends um, from, you know, whoa, 60s and 70s. And uh, so, you know, I knew, yeah, I, I was around a lot of, grew up, you know, a bunch of guys, big waves, surfers and stuff.
3: How much have, have the boards changed since, uh, since you uh,
0: got in? Oh my God, just incredible. The the things the things these kids are doing now on the surfboards are just um and they're not big boards. They're their their water skills, their 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 ability to, to to dive under waves and stay in the, you know, their, their conditioning and stuff is just just insane now. Compared to, you know, before it was guys drank all night the night before and heard there was a swell coming in, you know stumbled down to the beach and just paddled out a bunch of crazy guys. We talked about the surfers the like a
3: wrestler's life there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I didn't know if we are talking about the surfers or the boys.
3: Yeah, I thought we were the same subject here. <laughs>
2: hey, Don, I used to always fish in the Marlin uh, World Championship every year, July 4th, uh, in Bermuda. I lived in Bermuda for about nine years. And we competed uh, eight-hour time zones against, uh, you know, Portugal, the Azores, uh, Cabo, the Kona Coast, and the Barrier Reef. Uh, the Kona uh, coast there won several times.
0: Are you a big fisherman as well? No, no. Uh, never been one to go out, you know, out far. I'm not that, that I don't have those great sea legs. Anyway, I get, uh, I get, sea, I served as a all the years I surfed. I get, uh, yeah, I get seasick after some, you know, on occasion, I think kind of out of it, but yeah, no, I'm not, uh especially when it's really banging out there, you know, in some of these channels and stuff, it's, uh, yeah, it's way too much for me.
3: <laughs> I don't have a surfing story with Don, but I got a diving story with Don. Don, you remember when we went up to Jenny Springs and you,
0: you – Yeah, yeah, looking for – uh,
3: you, 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 I, I kicked your friends up and made it invisible to see. I thought I was going to drown down there, John. <laughs> so, you remember that story, Don?
0: Yeah. Manatees. We Man, we're looking for manatees.
3: Yeah, we went cave diving. Uh, it was you, me, and I, Jimmy Tanaka, Pat Tanaka's brother, and wasn't uh, Kern with us too? No, uh, Kern, Kern probably was with us too that yeah. time. Uh, you know, we had several combinations that we'd all we'd all try to grab a tank and go somewhere if we were close by. But I remember we went, we were cave diving that particular time. And John, this, yeah, fresh this, water, Jenny, right? This Jenny Springs is known to uh novice divers up you know but uh, <laughs> uh and Tanaka to, to come on you know we're we're at that hell they had no more experience than being current at it, you know so we follow the leader you know we tie the rope we're safe we tie the rope around and we're going down these to get to these big big cavernous canyons you got to go through these little tiny caves right down the tunnels yeah so get to the big opening so you know, Don's a big guy anyway, and he's got that damn big-ass tank strapped to his back there. So I'm right behind Don. And so I'm sucking that air in anyway, and I keep looking up to my air pressure because I don't want to get stuck in there. So, so we we get about three-quarters of the way in there, and, you know, we can mumble, you can kind of make out what each other's saying, you know, we can't see. So when I said that, Don, Don does his flippers like this and all that soot from the side— I mean, it's a pitch black, you put your hand right up against your mask, you can't see nothing. I start to panic. When you start to panic, boy, your hair disappears real quick, so I'm jerking that rope, let's go back, let's go back. No, 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 just a little way, so we just make make the break. All of a sudden, we're in this huge, big-ass canyon, and man, it's gorgeous, and all kinds of different type of fish and everything. We said, cool. So now we turn around. Now we got to go back through that thing. And I'm scared to death that he's going to cut me loose or something. We get through, but we we got out of there. But he scared me. He scared me to death that night. <laughs> that was some wild times. I Don, I
2: yeah. you know, you and I, you and I have got something in common. Uh, we were, we were both uh, champions when somebody jumped off a cage on us. And all they remember is the other guy. I had Eddie Guerrero on top of me. You had Superfly on top of you. We both walked out as champion, and all people are talking about to this day are Jimmy Snuka and Eddie Guerrero. So, and and I heard you say as a heel, you're a professional jobber, which is exactly what I was as well as a heel. So,
0: you and I have uh, a lot in common. All time, yeah. You know, people get in their mind. Yeah, that's what you do. You know, you're there to to, the glorify of uh, the glory of Hulk Hogan. Macho Man and everybody else, you know, but it was a good, it was a good time. It was a great life. Uh, it's know, a great life. I loved
2: it. And you know, we, we did the, the cage match Eddie and I, Guerrero and I did when when I was WWE champion Eddie comes off the top of the cage and he, he rehearses it. I don't know if Jimmy rehearsed it at all, but uh, Eddie rehearsed it and he missed the the crash pad by about six feet. Literally it would have killed me. And he, and he goes, okay, I'm good. I go, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I said you didn't kill me. He goes, "Oh, I can do it live." And sure enough, he did. He had it absolutely perfect. I felt like I got crushed. I mean, it, I couldn't feel my feet, my hands, nothing. Uh was your was your situation <laughs> pretty similar? Jimmy didn't go over it at all, did he? You guys didn't even probably even No, never no.
0: Back. No, he just uh, he just went, he just took off. Only thing he, his knee landed in my side on the side of my leg on my uh, upper, my hip and that muscle on the top there. And, and that was, aside from that, he wasn't that, you know, I, 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 had, I had him up enough. I was up enough where I was able to catch him. And, uh, you know, it wasn't too bad. I, you, know, it was, it, it, you know, in the moment, it was it didn't uh, blow your mind, you know. But, yeah. No, he just, boom, he just took off. Didn't matter where you was. He was going to hit you. It was, you know, it was... Uh, Quite a sight. One <laughs> I my legacy: is uh, getting splashed and eating uh, meatball sandwiches.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Don, how did how did the meatball sandwich come about? Uh, that's one of the most uh, 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 viewed uh, viewed clips on YouTube now. As you're eating the sandwich, while you're you're destroying. Well, we
0: uh, we're coming out of the angle with me and Jim, Jim Snuka, and uh, we're going to. Um, tags with me and Lou. They they changed my manager from uh the whiz to, to the Captain Lou. So we we're going into a tag with that. You know, Lou is I eat lobsters and eat and drink and how I'd eat and throw food around and you know, you know, it was Louis Lou, you know. So you know, it was just a mess. So I just wanted to, you know, go like kind of convey that that, that Lou and I were like Fuji and you know, Mind that I was becoming more like Lou, you know, just slopping down meatballs and cokes. And I, that was the worst heartburn I think I've ever had. And trying to eat and finishing that, you know, going through that sandwich. And I, uh, Frankie, I saw, I just saw it recently. Frank Williams was the guy I worked with. And I, uh, God bless him for letting me carry out, carry out that type of insanity. Uh, but, uh, yeah, 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 I was just trying to. Assimilate, you know the the, like my uh, my bond with Lou Albano, you know because I remember I still you know like to this day, going to when uh, Vince Senior, used to have the dinners uh, after Allentown, the first night and and Lou would show up whether he's invited or not with <laughs> with you know whoever Lou would show up and you know right the two, two, three vodkas and and then he'd order like the three lobster tails. And be be with holding, you know, like like Henry the Eighth with the with the with the roast beef, just dip, dipping him in the bone, you know, and and uh, he just eating him, uh, <laughs> the vodka thing, and eating and holding the lobster tail, eating. I'll never, you know, <laughs> those are pictures you never black, black you know, you never <laughs> lose. <laughs>
3: Set that up, Don. A well, lot people don't 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 know uh, recall what what you're you're talking about. Vince Senior after TVs and and uh, Allentown would would have big dinners at the at the hotel where all the guys were staying afterwards, right?
0: Well, at his hotel, yeah. And a few guys, you know, uh, a few guys were invited. They called the what did they, they call it? the King's Table.
3: King's Table.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if Curtis. I don't know if Curtis came up with that name or not, but it ended up being the the king's table.
3: I can't imagine uh, how many times a king would get invited.
0: (laughs) Oh, God.
2: Don, Lou was in the garden one time. Legend has it that uh, Vince went up to him and said, Lou, it's the freaking garden. You told me you wouldn't be drinking. And Captain Lou says, you can't smell vodka.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that, that was
2: a Bobby Heenan. That was Bobby.
0: That's,
2: that's the legend I got. Was by the time I got,
0: his... Uh, yeah. You can't stop. Oh, Louis. So Louis. Louis. He got, got Lou in the garden. He was doing something. He's he so busy making blades. You know, he just, you couldn't get more than five feet with him without getting cut. <laughs> why, why did he make so many blades? Yeah, you know, he was on the side. He was having a good time. What, where did he? He, he would He wouldn't use them. He ended up. He ended up taking out that straight razor and he'd stand there <laughs> we well, ended up with this you go there a straight razor and a pocket knife he had everything you know it was just coming out the rest of the time he was a meek little mouse around the <laughs> home and family and and what's the just,
3: story on the Bobby pin? what was the story on the safety pin and the cheek
0: he just started he would he, you know he started cutting himself and then he'd come back and he'd go, look, and he'd stick his tongue through his cheek. You know, and, you know he was just, uh, I guess, hanging around Curtis or, you know, uh, not feeling no pain or whatever, but yeah. And then then he started putting those rubber bands in his cheek and that's how, I guess that's how Cindy Loplin was drawn to him. You know, he was an amiable guy. real You know, intelligent man and, you know, just, uh, really interesting, but, you know, he's just, Boy, if, if he got out on on the on the run, boy, he was he was gone.
3: How did you get along with all that rock and roll cr- uh, troop there? I know you were you were, you were pretty pretty tight with Captain Lou there, but uh, did did all those guys kind of mix in Wolf's guys and and all and Cindy guys? How was that? How was the
0: atmosphere backstage? They were kind of uh, uh, they were a little bit they were close with Piper, and Piper was the TV. You know, Piper we always wanted the movies and. The TV, so the Piper was the one. So I don't know what what Vince had to do with the, the Dave Wolf and stuff, but Piper was with those guys a lot, and they were real respectful and nice. Cindy Lauper was was uh, was nice. I Cindy Lauper, Meatloaf, uh, you know, and Dave. Her, I think her boyfriend was uh, Wolf at the time, and uh, you know, they're all real respectful, real uh, thing. But they were you know, they're off kind of on their own their own tangent, you know, with the showbiz and other stuff like that. So, you know, but they never, you know, they're always respectful, always real, real, you know, good people. good. good did, to be around. Did, you get
3: the, did you get the feeling that they thought they were helping wrestling or did you get the feeling that they, there was vice versa that wrestling was helping their career too?
0: Uh, probably both. They were, and they were into it, you know, obviously they were into it for themselves. And they had their own, you know, their own concepts and stuff of, of the business. I don't, you know, of the business and stuff. I don't think they thought. Uh, I don't think they realized what a difference that they were making. But you know, the, the, you know, it was the first time for anything. You know,
3: Don, you're saying, you're right. It was the first time. You're, you're old school like I am. Uh, the The attitude of I know, uh, Piper didn't exactly like some of the guys coming in and infringing on our business and us, you know, breaking kayfabe as the word is nowadays. Yeah. You know, you know. How, how did you feel about that? Did, did you feel uncomfortable, you know, opening up around, around, around the non-business people like that? Mr. T.
0: Yeah. Mr. T. Yeah. He loves it. He was okay. I got a big bonus. I took a big, he gave me a big knee or a punch one night and i Flipping over the rope or something, I, you know, and then ended up with extra checks. Uh, he was okay. You know, the most of he was hanging He went around with Hulk, hung around with Hulk, and you know, all we were going to prayer meetings in the morning and stuff. I don't know. Piper didn't like him, but uh, he seemed, you know, he, he never bought, he never really bothered anybody else. Do you know, you know what, was was just,
3: what that beef was about with him and Hot Rod? Because Hot Rod got, like you said, man, he had aspiration for Hollywood and all that. And he got yeah. with everybody, you know.
0: Yeah. He would, but Deb was, uh, you know, with the boxing and his training. I don't know. Uh, I don't know all the stories, but I know he had, you know, he, he was busting his butt when they uh, to do all those, you know, those you know, those matches and stuff in the in the mania 2 when he did the boxing thing with T. You know, so yeah, you know, it was a you know, it was in a new place. You know, nobody really knew. You know, it wasn't. Uh, it, it, Fay wasn't out of the bag out the door but yet you know we we're working with aretha franklin and joan rivers and you know liberace and all these other people and stuff coming around so it was you know you, just, you know it was and, and the, like i said after when hulk dropped that leg on the on the chic the whole business the whole business changed right. you know it, it, it became you know everybody working for hulk and then working you know which was was cool because the business was, you know, doing well enough at the time where, you know, everybody could share in that those type of profits, and it was a new. It was new. Everything was new. You know how how new it was to, to go through that. You know, experiencing the the just the this the cafeteria meals <laughs> that we have a TV that all of a sudden started appearing from instead of the meatball sandwiches. You know, but it was all new.
2: Look, we're all adults here. I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum lozenges and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. It's a new year. Why not start it out by switching to a new nicotine product that you can feel good about? My family and friends that use nicotine, this is what I will recommend is the Lucy products. If you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That's lucy.co and use promo code JBLGB, JBLGB at checkout. Also, I have to read this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical remember if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine visit lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code jblgb and
1: i'm the last number 65084 equal housing lender Whew.
2: Did you feel the paradigm shift coming at that time? I mean, you'd gone for like what Mr. Briscoe was talking about, you know, from the territories, big Fabe to all of a sudden now you go to Hollywood, you go to rock and wrestling. Did you see that the business was about to change dramatically going forward? I mean, I don't think anybody would realize that, that Vince was going to take over the entire world. But did you know that there, this was a real shift and a seminal point around WrestleMania 1?
0: Uh, yes, and Yes and no because uh, uh <clears throat> the Carolinas and Vern and those other territories were still going they, they were still you know they were, it was still a competition at the time you know so it it wasn't clear-cut clear for a while yet and then after when things get started rolling when I got with Fuge and we we're you know flying over the place doing all those all those little vignettes and those little storylines and everybody started those Tuesday night Titans just, Stuff like that, you know. Then, then, then you could really feel, you know, a, a real change, you know, a turn coming around.
3: Don, you, 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 were, you were born in uh, Hawaii. Your, your, your parents. Your dad was a, a serviceman, right? And your mom was a native Hawaiian or Japanese. Right. And, uh, and w- was they there during Pearl Harbor? Your dad, they stationed there during Pearl. Harbor? My mom
0: was. Your mom was. She was she uh, came over later. Yeah, I think so. He, he was in the Army later, and he got shipped over to Schofield Barracks over here.
3: Yeah, Schofield. So, I wrestled I was my first match in Hawaii at Schofield Barracks. Over yeah, there. yeah. Yeah, back way back a long
0: time. Did your mom that ever was, talk about Pearl yeah. Harbor? No, just there were kids running around. I guess they used to have uh, like a bombing practice or air raid practice with the with the airplane. Because she lived out Waipao, which is up towards that area. Uh, you know, in Pearl Harbor area. So she thought that they didn't think much more than it was the, uh, until later things started exploding, but didn't think it was more than one of the practices at first. And then, you know, the the word came that they were being attacked. So they must've been a little little
2: worried about it because they had plans in place and the kids were already used to bomb drills and stuff like that. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess they were, you know, dog fights and stuff outside. Over the harbor or something—I'm not sure—but you know, I guess if they, they knew there were, there were some type of artillery going off. So,
3: so when when you were coming up, you were, you were playing—you uh, were in high school. You were sort of a high school legendary football player on the islands. There, I understand, and set several records that that lasted for for decades and decades. And you had to—you made the decision between football and wrestling, right? And of course, you chose wrestling, which we're glad you did.
0: Yeah, I, I played. I was here and then didn't have the grades to get to a de- decent college. Went to J.C. for a while. Then after that I just uh, took some time, you know came back to go to the University of Hawaii and ended up uh, just surfing, you know, full time and then uh, the Lord Tally got me in the business.
3: Uh, Lord Tally Hill Blair Lord Blair's a, a famous uh, wrestler and, and promoter in, in the islands over it who I worked for the first time I came over but uh, who who were who were who were the some of the guys uh, that uh, was Fuji around and Curtis and any of that group around or when when they when they were breaking in on the islands?
0: Yeah, well, um, naturally Curtis was a big star. You know, Curtis uh, Johnny Baran. I don't know if you remember Ripper Collins. Remember his that name? Is, and then yes. see what what Ed Francis had. He had Japan and Australia. Where he used to go to Australia for for Jim. And then Japan, the um, I think they only had all Japan at the time. I don't think they had New Japan yet. And the guys would go on, you know, six-week tours and stuff, and they'd all stop back in Hawaii. Vern and Bruno and Carpentier, all these big names. So, so Ed would get them, you know, he'd book them, and they'd use Hawaii as a as a tax write-off to stop for a trip, but, a, you know, as a business trip, and they continue. Then they'd well, work then- for Ed. so that's
3: when I was able to I was able to stop on in between uh, and stay there for a couple Ricky Hunter the gladiator, was really yeah, in that yeah. time there and uh, and i I piled up with Ricky and and his wife, and they showed me around the islands there but uh, that was quite a group there, so they, that that's where you got your first your first taste of of, of our business and then uh, I always wanted you and know, I've known you so long and uh, how in the hell did an island boy like you end up in, in Stampede Rass in one of the coldest places in the world? A great place <laughs> to learn, but man, I can't have the culture change that that was.
0: I just well, I just went in there. Uh, I just went in and out. I was in and out just to, to switch the uh, put put the strap on Davy Boy. I went to Vancouver. I started in Vancouver, British Columbia, where, for Kovacs and Koninsky because uh, Kovacs. And Stu Hart and Tally Ho were all good friends from the New York uh, territory back in the day, the 50s or whenever, you know, early, early days. So so Stu, Kovacs, and uh, so Tally Ho had a house in Waikiki, a little place in Waikiki where the kids stayed. And, you know, like, it was like a little surf shack there. And Kovacs was over. He said, well, you want it, this guy want to be a wrestler? He wrestled in this high school and stuff. And they said, oh, yeah, next you know, a few weeks later, I was on the, on a, on a plane to Vancouver. Didn't know, uh, nothing <laughs> completely, completely, uh, no, not smart. Nothing. But well, I've no, been around happened. the guy, you know, all the guys down at Dean's gym, all, all the boys used to hang out, you know, used to train there on their way, you know, through Luther Lindsay and Koch and, you know, all those guys were, were down there and they were all, you know, they'd all work out with, with, you know, the kids or younger guys. I was a big kid, so I always get ended up getting thrown around. Was your introduction to wrestling mainly the guys that were stopping over, going back and forth to Japan, or, or did Hawaii have their own territory at that time as well, a, a regular territory? Yeah, they had a regular. Oh, they had a great territory. Ed Francis was uh, miles and miles ahead as far, <clears throat> as, far as TV production and stuff. So he was to Johnny Baran was doing coming coming out of coffins and. You know, it was like you know, like it was like Vincent, in, Vincent in the, in the '60s. You know, it was just uh, it was really off. It wasn't uh really off the wall. Ripper Collins was had that that Southern draw, and and he would just murder murder Hawaiian Hawaiian phrases and you know Hawaiian you know Hawaiian talk and stuff like that. And it would just it, he just was perfect white guy, fat white you know chubby white guy with the just you no. Know, just totally disrespectful to the language and the culture and everything and he was he made just a he was here about 15 20 years he just you know he just retired you know they, just, they liked him Then finally you know he eventually turned a baby face but he was you know uh, number two drawing heel for years, and years he just he was just a perfect uh, mold. What all cities
2: you? did they work? I mean, obviously they worked uh, Oahu, but what else did they work uh, as far as regular uh, cities and, and islands?
0: Well, Wednesday, Wednesdays they had the, their their normal town. Start back in the old days. Started with the Civic Auditorium, which kind of would kill it when they left. It was there, and then they would have a big show and blow it off at the Blaisdell. Then uh, Saturday and Saturday or Sunday, you would have a uh, one of the, the like the Schofield Barracks or Block Arena, one of the um, one of the military bases perhaps, you know, or, and then, you know, another weekend you might have a uh, Kauai and or Maui and Hilo or Kauai and another, you know, and, and that was about it. Three days, three days, four days a week, four days would be a, uh, just overloaded. So I don't think you'd have one, but you have to, and the TV on Saturday and uh, you know, they just, they just, the TV just owned the island. It would, it was uh, incredible. <laughs> You obviously grew up watching it. Were you? Were you? Was wrestling something that you considered growing up? I guess you know it was, it was entertaining. I ended up you know, amateur wrestling in high school and stuff. But um, you know with you with the characters that they had that they were larger than life, with Curtis and Johnny Buran and you know all the you know all the top guys coming back and forth from the from the United States and Canada, that uh, you know would you know then they'd have the uh, their Saturday show was like the random, like about an hour and a half. And they started with, uh, they started with like a, 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 10 minute, uh, where they, where they work an angle They started with a 10 minute in the ring, uh, ring demonstration, wrestling holes or some type of demonstration, you know, and then they, they, would uh, maybe work an angle or something out of there. Then from there, they may go to a first match, you know, five, 10 minute first match. Then they'd go do about forty-five minutes of promos, just interviews and all the you know all these, all these great interview guys that they'd have you know, Curtis and King and Baran and Ripper and Pedro and you know all this just you know, whoever happened to be coming through town Bruno or Ganya or you know all the guys that had had great experience a lot of experience and stuff and all the promo that people you know. From magazines and stuff that everybody knew knew a lot and tally hill was a great uh, moderator so he could just you know dig everything out of every you know anybody so he was you know he was able to bring these guys to life so it was just so that goes, so you go so you're talking out uh, of our our thirty minute show minus the commercials you're hitting about fifty minutes of promos <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, so that's that, that's a prototype of WWE <laughs> programming. Yeah, well, now it
0: is. But yeah, yeah. this is, you know, I'm talking. You know, we're going back to the '70s, '80s. Yeah,
3: Don Don with with uh, you know, uh, of course, Dwayne Johnson being a mega superstar, he was and doing this Young Rock. Uh, a lot of attention have been brought to uh, back to the Island Racing in the beginning. What did the Cheap High Cheap Peter V ever play a role in your in your development?
0: He bought it. He got it. He bought, took the territory over from Steve Ricard. Since Steve got it, Steve bought it from Ed Francis. Oh, well, Steve and was then, uh, Steve
3: was from New Zealand, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, he,
0: was a, he was a New Zealand promoter. I worked for him down there. Mervyn Sidney Sydney Bat, Yeah, Steve. he was with the uh, Curtis and Mark and, and so, Yeah, he had a territory down in New Zealand. It was a good, good, you know, good time working down there. Right, I Two, I two channels. Well, New Tony Guerrero was there. Yeah, New just just still is beautiful place. So he got it, and then uh, then Peter and uh, Leah got it away from from Steve. I get, that. I'm sure you know they 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 bought it or, or worked some kind of deal, and Lars got in there somehow. It was on that thing. So Peter was running it for a while, and uh, the last two I was I went to uh, I was home, came home, and then I was I, I was booked in Japan. And um, they had a tour going to Samoa, and Fiji, and because uh, you know, I was current on TV, you know. Well, Peter, I'd, I'd come home and sneak into town, not say nothing, you know. And my phone would ring about midnight, one o'clock. Brother, brother, you know, he come down and work, and he, you know, I said, "Oh yeah, all right, Peter," you know, and then fall into that, you know, fall into that, that thing. So they they took me to. So I was the last one to work with Peter. And we flew back on the plane together. He came back; the cancer was Kim bothered his intestinal cancer. So I I left the the islands early, and he left with me too. He came back, and wasn't long after that the cancer took over.
3: I'm not going to go there, but you can go on record: you killed uh, Prince Peter Mavia. The, uh, you, worked
2: the, you worked a lot on the West Coast, right? You worked with Vancouver, you worked uh, LA, you worked for Roy Shire. Were you there when uh Pat was there as well? Pat Patterson?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, at, uh, it was between, after Ray was gone. Well, Ray was in Minneapolis already, so Pat was uh Pat Pat was Pat was Roy's booker. And um it was a funny it was a nice little territory. I could serve. I lived in Santa Cruz. Which is, you know, I guess you're half hour, forty five minutes out of where where everybody lived in Hayward and Richmond, Oakland area. So I, you know, but you know, I I loved it down there in Santa Cruz. The trips were basically short, and um, money wasn't real great, but you know, the living was good.
2: And how long were you in L A. at the at the Coliseum?
0: Oh, gee, just uh, I would just shoot in my, my folks lived in L A. I went, there, I went there for another time. I was uh, switching the belt to somebody, to the Korean, some uh, Korean guy that they'd brought in. I forget who I took it off. I think it was a, maybe a Ron Robin or something. That they brought me in. Uh, I, I stopped over, so they are using me to, to switch the belt to uh, a Korean assassin or whoever it was that, that Louis Tillet was booking. I don't know if you're, I don't know Jerry remembers Louis. But Louis Louis had gone to L.A. and taken over the book. I think from uh, or was was it before or after uh, Renesto and those guys? I, I'm not he sure
3: went from Garibaldi one.
0: Garibaldi, Garibaldi, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah
3: and, uh, John and I have talked about this a couple of times, and you you probably verified or, or or disputed or or add add a lot to it because you were there. Did you notice a real? Competition between Northern California wrestling and Southern California wrestling. There was quite a bit of difference in in the two there. Was there pretty big competition between the
0: two two sides? Um, How do you mean competition? Not really. uh, Roy wouldn't go past Fresno. And um, uh, LaBelle wouldn't go north of Bakersfield, pretty much. And then Roy worked out from San Francisco up to Sacramento and Reno, and I think we went to the Vegas. As a matter of fact, Roy was doing Vegas too, and uh, Mike LaBelle was just uh, pretty much around the L.A. area down to, down to San Bernardino, San Diego, San Bernardino, up to Bakersfield, East L.A., and the, you know the he owned his own building. You know, they owned that Olympic and had all the LaBelle's Mexico. own Olympic. Yeah, Eileen Eaton. They had all their, their boxers from Tijuana, Mexico, coming up, and they were not paying them. So that was so they had two. They had that the weekly TV show. I think they paid them for it, or, or, or just before pay TV. But they were making commercials. They had the weekly TV show. Then they'd have a weekly house show there. I think then I think they had two boxing cards uh, a week as well, and then the roller derby. So they're you know. They were they were running that that uh, building right in downtown LA. Yeah, that Olympic crazy.
3: that Olympic is a building I always wanted to work in. You know, the, around the country, there's certain buildings that you know, kind of, you know, you say the name of them, you think professional wrestling. The Olympic was was one of those buildings that that I missed out working on. And John oh John got to work in another one, and then Hellman Guerrero had one of the most classic match up in the Cow Palace in San Francisco, but. Those were special special venues.
0: Yeah, yeah. The old uh, Tiger Nelson. You have, have Tiger Nelson in the shower. He come and guys would tip, tip him a couple bucks, you know. And I, he was an old. God, I guess he, he he worked in the '40s and '50s. Or long, he's an old Tally Ho knew him and stuff. Tiger, and he would come in with the bottle of alcohol. Look, let me rub you back. Let me wash your back here. And then he'd have the alcohol. and turn around. I'm gonna give you a blowjob, and he spray alcohol. He spray alcohol over it. Music, was a, he was, a, he was A character, and they had the whole Olympic. That was a classic place.
2: And in Vancouver, you got to, you were there with a young Andre the Giant, right? Right. How was yeah, Andre just, then? I mean, when I, I you see pictures, you know, a lot of people remember Andre from say WrestleMania three, you know, and he was that was not the same Andre, you know that. They wrestled Hanson back in 81 in that classic match in Japan. And, you know, the young Andre was a a terrific athlete. That's the Andre that you met uh, there in uh, Vancouver, right?
0: Yeah, I was breaking in and he was breaking in. uh, He came, Don Leo lived in, uh, Don Leo Jonathan lived in Vancouver there. So, and he was, uh, he was the only guy big enough, I guess, at the time. And they thought, and agile enough to work with uh, Andre in, in Montreal. So they're ironing up some stuff, ironing some stuff out. And he came over, he was over uh, in Vancouver and they're working. He worked there, you know, and Moscow had come from Hamilton. And, you know, there are a few guys from Canada that that come down. Andre was, yeah, he was a totally different guy. Happy, you know, for like he was most of the, you know, for, for, you know, good, good long portion of his time in the business. Towards the end, he was, he was miserable and he was hurting, yeah. But but at those days, he was, you know, a completely different guy. Didn't speak English. Well, it was no, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't real good. But then uh, Gilles Poisson, uh, Pierre Legrand was there and a couple other uh, French Canadians. So, he, you know, he made a, he made a, a contact with those guys. The
2: Andre later became uh, kind of like, Undertaker uh, during, during the say that the 90s and 2000s, you know, kind of the guy, you know, and I don't mean the guys just, in, just in the ring. He was the guy in the ring, just like Undertaker was, but also the guy that carried all the respect, you know, they called him the boss. What was he like when he first met him? Was, did he have that uh, charisma about him when he walked in a room that everybody knew this is uh, going to be the guy, or did you just think this is a great big guy who may or may not make it? No,
0: he was pretty cool. You know, he would, like I said, he didn't speak any English, so you know he didn't. Uh, you know he, he was wasn't out to make any waves or, or anything, but he was you know accommodating, and um, you know the, the little English that he did know, he was funny. He would make jokes. You know, we didn't. Uh, I didn't go on any uh, any 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 pub adventures with him in those days. But <laughs> I, I imagine he was as legendary in those days as he was later.
3: Did, uh, did, uh, uh, his work, uh, was his work, uh, as a, a semi big guy, uh, just a big tall guy the kind of, how did his work compare to someone like a like Don Leo job?
0: Well, he gave, he gave a lot more. <laughs> he, <gave> a lot <laughs> yeah.
3: more he didn't know
0: any better. <laughs> he, was, yeah, he, he was, he was selling a lot more than he was. Yeah. He, he didn't, didn't know, know like, he didn't uh, that
2: when he called a spot, he didn't have to do it.
0: <laughs> like an arm drag, or yeah, arm drag, or, or over, or you know, or you know, or, or some kind of movement, little, little, you know, he wasn't, uh, no Carpentier, that's for sure, but you know, a little, little rope action, or, you know, a little small bump, small kind of bump action. Most of the time, not selling, you know, they got him after a while, you know, take the tackle, don't sell, or anything. but you know, there would be, uh, you know, of course, Don Leo and, and him, you know, Don Leo was a was a six six, three hundred twenty five pounder too. Which, but he looked you know looked small compared to Andre. But 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 Don you know Don Leo was a hell of a worker. Right. Big you know one of the great great big men. One
3: of the great, especially of his day. But it uh, don't even matter what Don Leo you know he was great you work uh, big workers. He was just a great worker.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From one of the you know from back then. He would go and see him at six man's and because he worked vancouver and stuff and he'd go out and he'd you know he'd do the selling why, why why is he selling you know he' should hug yeah, but you know he, yeah he would yeah he was just a yeah smart guy well real real uh mountain man you know up in the mountains and he had a diving company in the ocean and the uh, deep sea diving with the uh, nitrous oxide mixes and stuff
3: yeah, wasn't he? A, wasn't he a welder underwater welder too, or something like?
0: that? Yeah, yeah. That's what I he and um, what's the name? Uh, Smasher Freddie Sloan. And...
3: Smasher Sloan. I don't know if you remember him. He was. He was. He he worked for Don Leo doing that. Oh, okay, Freddie Baron. Is that the same
0: as Freddie Baron?
3: Right, Freddie Baron. Then Smasher Sloan, a guy from here around here. Same
0: guy? Oh no, different guys. Different guy. Yeah. Oh, there was well, there was another guy. Yeah, but they all
3: work together doing that at one
0: time. Yeah, yeah. Down, you know, yeah. Ice cold water. Yeah. Freezing water.
2: They got a mountain man right now in the WWE from Canada uh, named Brock Lesnar. Yeah. And and he just pretty much owns whatever mountain he wants to call his now at this point. (laughs) It's kind of the same thing. (laughs) He looks like a mountain guy. He, he, He looks like whatever he wants to look like
3: yeah um, so so you left vancouver is that when you went to varn at uh or did you come down to florida at that time
0: no not yet i went to uh i went back to la first for, for just for christmas my folks are still in la and uh they booked me with tolis on TV and tos got me over real good so asked me to stay there for a couple months so then i, I stayed there for a couple months and then i went to uh, Hawaii, and uh ed and, and lord said you know going I want to stay here for a while. So I hung out there oh, about seven, or eight months. And then Vern was coming through with his family on a vacation. I think he was there to solidify the Billy Robinson deal. It was a Billy needed a visa and papers and stuff to, to get into, um, to get into Minneapolis to work there. So I guess, you know, Vern was getting him his papers and Tally Ho was getting his papers and stuff in Hawaii. And, uh, so they, they closed that deal with Billy going to um, Minneapolis, AWA for Vernon and stuff. And Curtis and Lewin uh, conveniently were running tours to Australia at the time for Jim. And that was the same time. It was in the uh, early 70s, early seven So I had a – they offered me 800 a week, U.S., which was great, you know, it's seventy seventy one. That was fantastic money. So I, I got yeah, but uh Talleho knew better. He didn't want me to go with the uh, Curtis and Markey. So he got me uh, I he threw I was they threw me in on the Robinson deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, got he... up, uh, I got picked up I got picked up I they took me uh I worked with food. She put me they put me with Food in a twenty minute Broadway. Uh I opened the card. And Fuji, you know, Fuji just a hell of a worker, just you know, like is local biders. Is that when you drink. first hooked
3: up with Fuji? Is
0: that time? Oh no, Fuji was one of the guys from Dean's gym. Fuji was down there. Fuji was a big time. He was, you know, he was selling aluminum siding. He always he always had the big cars, the Cadillacs. Was he lickety. always was he,
3: Yeah, but was he always the big
0: personality, the big big yeah. Guy? Yeah. 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 Yeah, like like Schofield when he, you know, they you know, Schofield was probably a 25, 20, 25 minute trip from Waikiki, you know. So he would do the old Baron Leone thing. <laughs> He'd get my car low up we'd, we'd, and drive all back and forth across the island, buy lunch, buy, you know, then load the, bring the cooler. Okay. Come on, come on, come on, you know, food, buy, you know, buy all the beer, but the, the case of beer and, you know, Chinese food and everything else. Okay. Get the poo poo for the. The poopoo for the ride home with the beer. We got, you know, another eight-hour trip going back to, back to way, you know, until eight hour, but, you know, load up all the coolers and the food and everything else. Have the matches, get in the car. 20 minutes later, drop them off to the hotel and take off. <laughs> <laughs> and the old you Anton totally there. Uh, oh, God. You guys, pretty pretty more you
2: guys had a pretty tough crew. You guys had a pretty tough crew up in, uh, uh, Minnesota. You had uh, Mad Dog. You had Mulligan. You had Billy Robinson. I mean, you guys had some. You guys had a a really. lots lot of guys worked tough everywhere else. But just some really tough guys up there in Minnesota.
0: Harley, yeah. Harley, Lars, Larry Henning. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of. Uh, yeah, great. With you. all those guys were great help. Were great helpers with work, learning. I was just learning how to work. Just 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 got in the business less than a year. And they're all uh they're all more than help more than helpful, you know, as far as trying to grow in the business and learn, you know, what was going on. That's was a great environment to be around. What's that, that?
3: I said that's a great environment to be around when all these old timers are willing to pass the trade along.
0: Yeah, I was. Yeah, it was. Everybody was everybody was just a everybody was a teacher back in those days, you know. It was, it was in Korean and the you know it was back then you got you work with somebody different every night too. You never got stayed. Like in Florida, work with you, Jack, Kern, Dusty. You know, every night I get somebody else to work with. I and mean, when you can get in that uh rotation in New York, it's steamboat, steamboat, steamboat. I love Ricky. Don't give me, you know, but you know, every night it's the same guy. You lose your any type of creativity or, you know, any any uh you know thought you may have, you know, just becomes a pattern after yeah, a while.
3: Yeah, all the changes. Sometimes I think that's the worst change that we 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 made in the business. Where you know we we had such diversity when we were in the ring. We could work with a with the King Curtis one night. You know, as a brawler and a fighter, and and you know, and then to get in the ring the next night with a Mark Lewin, who was a who was also the same, but also Mark was a technician. A lot of people failed to realize how good of a performer. Mark Lewin really was on the working side of the business, instead of on the gimmick side of the business.
0: Yeah, and, and it's you know the as, as relaxed and you know as as uh, thoughtful as you could be, you know because it was yeah it was yeah it was really entertaining you know to be working different guys you know every night, and uh, yeah,
2: I saw I, I that kind you of, did Don where he, uh, you're talking about different workers working with different guys in different matches. You talk about Stan Hansen versus Andre the Giant in Japan, about what a great match it was, about how physical it was. And then you talk about how Stan, a couple weeks later, was wrestling Dynamite Kid. Right. And it was just – it was a great match also, but a complete different match. You got this high-flying young guy and you got this giant, and Stan goes out with both great matches. But that talks about the diversity of
0: every day working with somebody else. Yeah. It was, I don't know if you've ever, you ever seen those tapes or ever seen those matches, but it's, you know, it's Stan, you know, defending his territory in, in uh, all Japan, you know, and going out there and, you know, having a knockdown drag out with Andre and then having a quick, you know, clever match with, uh, with Dynamite. You know, it was, you know, it's just uh, myself as, you know, being in the business and professional as it was nice to see. You know, the, the, the diversity and the change like that of well, what can happen and what, what guys can in the business can do.
2: You know, Stan always said that was at the, I think, the tennis center in uh, Japan, 81, uh, that Stan had that match with the giant, the big one. He said that match was what made him, was that match with, that you're talking about with the giant. And that made him in Japan because the giant sold for him. Giant may not have had any choice, but the giant sold for him. And but that that stance said to this day that's that's one of the things that gave him a huge springboard into his career in Japan because of that
0: match. It, it, it wasn't an awkward match. It wasn't a stiff match or a clumsy match, or anything. It was just hard, good hard work. You know, it was just. A, have you ever have you ever seen it? I have. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. So you know, you know, it was just. Okay, a, it was a great
2: match. Uh, yeah, a yeah, it match. was just
0: a just a real great solid match, and and. uh to go like that, you know, and, and then, then to progress to that is just, Oh, I lost my train of thought. But you know.
2: <laughs> Yeah. We've, we've got a list of some matches on our, on our YouTube site. That's one of them of, you know, the, the greatest, most iconic matches. Cause Stan, we had Stan on and he's the, he's the only one. I don't want to say this bad Don. He's the only one that took longer than you than to get on the zoom call, <laughs> 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 but we got you. But on.
0: That's a- but that, that's a you know it was it, it'd be hell. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't have minded working that hard with Andre in a match like that. It would have been cool. But uh, like I said, my myself, you know, I was a cocky guy. I was coward and a bad bad. So I was able to do it a lot easier. And I worked you know worked a lot of you know singles and stuff with Andre as well. But I you know I didn't have to, you know. There were there times that, that the work got hard. You know you you were sweating and you were you know you were working hard to get through it. But that. Uh, you know, you you were it wasn't you know knockdown drag out like uh, like that match was is like different characters. There's you know?
2: there's nothing not like a big uh, big uh, heel that's a coward. I have I happen to know a little bit about that too.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, you know that, that that's a role that you guys both played and and played it with such psychology. To have been a heel is, is more than breaking rules. It, it's it's getting into people's mind and the little nuances that that you carry. And you got to want to be a heel. You got you can't be afraid of being a heel. And neither one of you guys were ever afraid of that that stigma of being a heel or afraid of anything. And I think that's that's really the difference in in being a great heel and just playing a role of ale?
0: Well, if you, you know, you got to feel, I got, I was lucky where I came along in Florida where I had the Jack Briscoe lookalike thing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and I, I'd had a, a a background as a baby face my whole time in the career, in my whole career time. So I was able so when you're able to go into people's minds and say, well, he can be like that, but he chooses not to be. We're, that's where people get, and they get the, uh, you know, we were able to, we we're able to sell that, you know, into their, into their being where you can be and do something, but you're going against the grain uh, without having to, instead of being like Iron Sheik or uh, Eddie Farhat Sheik or somebody, and just running around and tearing people off, you know.
3: Yeah, you you had a unique ability of being Don Morocco, a Jack Briscoe-like wrestler, and also being a, a Terry Funk a heel-like wrestler, and you know you had a wide range of 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 of, of gamership in, in in your game there, which I think really helped you along.
0: Yeah, well, help you know being exposed to such a wide range of characters, you know, in our business from Jack to Dusty to Buddy Cole, just the guys in Florida alone, you know. King Curtis, to you know, uh, you, know you, you, you all the people you form, you meet on, on the road coming along, coming down the you know up and down the road that you, in your travels, that that you you know you, all these characters that you're able to build on, and, and you, able you to experience.
3: Your career, have career, fortune like 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 uh, like that uh, I, I, I could almost liken it. To, you got you had to. The, uh, while you were in your learning stages, you had the opportunity of being in a ring with some of the world's greatest, like uh, the the Vern Ghanies, the Billy Robinson, the Jack Briscoes, the Dusty Rhodes, and all that stuff, which really helped you. Don, we had a program here in, in Florida when Don first come in. Of course, Don had long hair, and Jack had a long uh, head full of hair, too, and uh, and Don was like 60 pounds, maybe six, 40, 50 pounds heavier than Jack, but they, they resembled each other in their movement they were both tremendous athletes. And they, Don was really getting over as a baby face. And I think Jack was a Florida champion or something like that. Don and he, I didn't get the world strap, world strap at that time. And he challenged him and uh, Don, nobody had ever done anything with a figure four and Jack's career down here. And Jack hooked a figure four on Don after one of these great, uh, fantastic matches. Don rolled it over, reversed the figure four on my brother.
1: Uh,
3: and he grabbed, I think he grabbed a rope there for the extra. The heat that he got was just just white hot. And from there on, Don went on to be one of the hottest heels <laughs> in the territory. Yeah, it
0: was, you know, he's having great people to work with. And it, it takes the. Uh can't do it by yourself. <laughs>
2: uh, you know, and it's amazing sometimes you have something like that, like Jack Briscoe gets the figure four over, gets the figure four over, gets the figure four over. It's why you don't use it for a high spot all the time. You know, you use it for the right moment. And, and you have uh, a Dom Morocco that comes along who's this huge going to be superstar. That's when you use it. That's when you let him reverse it. And all of a sudden people just, it blows the roof off. And it blows people's minds like, oh my God, nobody's ever done that to the world champion, Jack Briscoe. And that makes somebody. You know, sometimes it's the little yeah. things uh, in our business that that makes stars from that point forward.
0: Well, was that Eddie Graham? You know, Eddie Graham, Bill Watts—that that, that influenced there. They were that—that that was, that was the Office. They were doing the Office at the time. You know, Watts and and I—I I don't know whose finish it was Eddie's or Jack's or you know or, or Watts or who it was, but uh, yeah, it, it, it helped my career. No doubt. The psychology you know,
3: the church- of the business in uh, those days was, was our business was built on psychology of, of, you know, taking people to a certain place and then boom, just throwing the wall down in front of them. And, uh, you know, a great heels is, is, is the people that can pull that off. And you were able, to, you were still, you know, fairly new in the business, but you were able to, to make that transition from, from the hottest, one of the hottest baby faces in in Florida to being one of the, most despised hills in the state of Florida. Timing, you know, you got... Timing in mean, with Gary Hart's army, too, right? <laughs> Gary Hart. No, army. it
0: was before um, Sonny King. Sonny King had to. <laughs> Sonny King was running it, and then Sonny left, and then uh, we had a we had that great crew. I always remember me and Curtis, uh, Hattori, and Joe the Duke. I remember you and you know, We would go to Jacksonville, and we'd have all those... Uh, all the you know all the the potluck food you and Jack would sneak by the window and we'd pass you guys yeah. we, we'd hand you play guys plates of food, I mean, you know there's there was no better place to eat than at Butler Aviation where we were at <laughs> even Joe LaDuke had he brought a old crock pot with him Mickey Canadian and a roast. <laughs> Yeah, even yeah, Brian no, and
3: John, we had to maintain uh, K cafe. They, they have their own plane and their own. their own. They had, you know, all the island boys would cook something up. So, of course, all of us, uh, other guys would be over there begging at the hills when <laughs> you'll feed us, please. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, that was the finest restaurant in the town. <laughs> I tell you,
2: man. <laughs> When we used to kayfabe in Europe, uh, you know, the heel bus is always the best bus by far. You know, I, there's no, there's no doubt about it. That's the one you wrote on Jerry, because you're a heel, no matter what people say you are. And, yeah, and un- Undertaker would always kayfabe and sneak on the heel bus, no matter whether he's a heel or baby because he, he didn't want to be with the baby faces. The heels were always the more, more fun group.
3: Yeah, that's true. So Don, you <laughs> left here and, uh, and, uh, and kind of comical circumstances were, were they weren't, uh, weren't, uh, the greatest uh, split here, but uh, you left here on one night. Dusty Rhodes was having a concert, correct? Oh, boy, you told the story a million
4: times.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you uh, want to tell the truth? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, won't we'll go. It, it had to deal with a lot of I spent a week in Georgia patrol. with my
0: first wife. Just, she just gone through a miscarriage. This is a post postpartum thing. would be absolutely crazy. So <laughs> when we hit, but at that time we hit back to Tampa for the Dusty Rose Rock and Roll Revival. <laughs> I was ready for a bottle of tequila and whatever else came down the road. Good God! And we got so what happened, there. Jerry? You got to you got to fill
2: us in here. We're missing some details.
3: Oh, so that, that Don was being primed for for a you know A plus run with the American Dream, and that, that, that Don can tell you the dream had just turned, and Don there was never or anything like it right in our business when Dusty Rhodes turned from from heel baby face and people just bought it hook, line, and sinker. Correct? I mean, he was over. You remember yeah. that? And so uh, Dusty fancied himself as a rock and roll singer, you know I, I, you know. I could say he'd get up on stage and he'd holler a, lot, a tune with Willie Nelson, Willie'd run him off stage, and all this stuff. So Rocky uh get, Dusty gets a bright idea; he's gonna put on a concert. So he rinsed the Armory out, and K. Fabe was really, really uh, strict down here. Bill Watts and Eddie Graham, and like Don said, you know, even airplanes would uh, different hangars and sneak over and get food. So it, it was pretty strict down there. So Dusty, Don had just made the switch, and he was still friends with all the baby faces. He still, and so uh, Dusty had a concert where we would pass around several bottles of tequila and whatever else goes on, you know, uh, with the tequila there. And Dusty he gets on, he had one, his big blow off number, which Johnny be good or something like that. So Johnny he, be good. Yeah, he busted out of that. And then uh, see say, Don's getting itching to go up there and say, Johnny be good now. So, so, so he uh, he busted on the stage and I think it was Killer Carl Cox or somebody looked at it and said, boy, he's gone. And he said, you got that
0: right. Sure is, yeah. <laughs> Don was gone. Well, it didn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> down the road to Fritz, road to
2: Fritz. Yeah. let, let me go to gym <laughs> <laughs> so so who got Don gone was it Dusty
0: the Don got Don gone
3: Don screwed uh, Don. I was, was, was,
0: was pounding on the amplifiers I had a hell of a time they tell me <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, we had to tequila that night. That's for sure. No, that was a fun time. But then you ended up, you know, it worked out good for us. you. Ended up in New York and with the great run up there, right? Yeah. After, after you had to go pay your your penance in uh, Dallas for
0: Fritz, <laughs> that was just that was a quick one. Yeah. Oh, Angela Mosca I was there with Mosca. And- Scott Casey, if you the Doug Gilbert, Junior, yeah, some old timers. Yeah.
3: This is pre uh, free bird, free Yvonne Eric day. So business, right. business wasn't,
0: wasn't what it was. And, yeah, the boys weren't aware. the boys weren't even working yet. <laughs> How yeah, was business sense, man. In Dallas. Lousy. Not too, you know, you work around all week and then just hope you hope, hope you did some business in Houston on friday you know there are a few shows austin maybe or san antonio if they had a uh a guy from over the border coming in there a strong uh lucha libre guy but um you know it was just so so yeah for some reason uh i guess fritz was just uh laying back on it waiting for his sons to get old enough to get in the business i guess because Fritz? Yeah, you know, you know, Everything he was, you know, he was the champion, and the claw and everything else. I guess he seemed like he was bored or tired or, uh, you know, disinterested. And they just, uh, they just kept the board, kept the business going until the boys were old enough to, you know, step in and take over. I guess. David yeah, wasn't far it, away at that time. I don't think.
2: Yeah, that's when it ended up exploding in Dallas became a really hot territory. is when the boys came in and. Yeah, you the place. Did, so you went from you went to Penance, uh, to go to Fritz, and then and then how did you end up in New York from there?
0: Oh, I went, around, went back, uh, went back to Atlanta for a while, uh, the, uh, San Francisco, Australia. How the hell did I end up there? I was, was a different, it was a full heel run I had, I think, in Florida that uh, I finished there. And then, um, they were kind of turning to smaller heels. They weren't using the, they weren't, you know, they weren't, you know, it was like, uh, that those big guys, uh, Stasiak or, you know, the, the one shot things with Bruno and, and they were kind of, they're, they're kind of changing their, their, uh, their pattern there because I had all my TV time, my eight to 10 weeks on TV. And then I started the garden with Martel and I started somewhere else with Pedro. And taking Intercontinental, so I didn't get to, I didn't get to the garden with Bob till later on in my my first run there. And I, you know, so I had a lot of good, a lot of good garden shots and a lot of good shots at that time. So it was kind of transitioning at the time. How
2: was the garden at that time? Because you had all the incredible run with San Martino where the garden was sold out all the time. Then it went through a little bit of a swell down, right? Until WrestleMania? Was the Garden still selling out at that point?
0: Yeah, it was still, yeah, it was still solid, still good business. There might have been pockets that were open, but by, by and large, you know, it was, uh, it seemed, you know, seemed like it was sold out. There was always a good card, aside, aside from the Bob, the champion, whoever the champion was, and the heel he had, there were, there were always, there was a tag team, you know, tag team belts. Then there was an angle, a uh, Patterson and Slaughter, or, you know, uh, uh, Intercontinental. They, have, they always had three or four big angles, like a chic show in Detroit or something. You know, they're three or four titles, three or four angles. It, there was there was a big uh, a big momentum swing in those big shows. That I heard the business was down in that point, but when I was there, well, you know, it seemed like to be all, always all those big shows were, were basically full.
2: Was it your first uh, Intercontinental run? You're with Jimmy Snuka. Mm, no second run second run so was was jimmy there already at that time when you got up to new york and that
0: was for vince senior right no he wasn't there yet he was still in charlotte he was in charlotte i think he was a heel with ray and then then i left and he came in he had his heel run with bob and he did the dove off the top of the cage, but missed. And then, uh, but he was turning then, then Lou and, uh, Ray Stevens turned on Jimmy somehow. So that was, that was how that was his, that was his first baby face turn with Lou and Ray. I don't remember what they did, but it was Lou and Ray. And then they milked it out a little bit. They, they drew it out where, um, they stuck Rocky Johnson in there. Uh, as as a like a three month, four month diversion for the intercontinental title. Well so they were waiting for Snooker to take it. They start Rocky so I had a you know good four month one run with Rocky and, and then the, before Snooker came back, me and Snooker hooked up for that uh the intercontinental thing.
2: Do you find it uh Kind of amazing uh, and hard to believe that uh, year, so many years later people still talk about Snuka's dive off the cage. I mean, did you, did you know at that point what a big moment that that it was that you were going to do something that was people were going to be just sh- shocked about?
0: No, of course not. No, I, well, you know, I was working with him every night, and I was used to see him, you know, doing spectacular things in that, that cage. I, you know, you never assumed that it, that it would go to you know to the heights where it's been. And you know, I think it was, it was pretty much Jimmy's character, his charisma that, that he was being able to carry like that. You know, way he dived, dove, and stuff like that. Don, and, was uh, it,
3: was was that Jimmy's first dive from a cage in the garden, or had you guys done that from a cage elsewhere in house shows?
0: We hadn't done it before, but he was in his title match with Bob. I guess they blew it off the third, the third, uh, his third show with Bob. He, he dove off the cage and missed, and Bob was able to crawl out of the cage, I think. I know he dove off the top and missed, but I I, I imagine that's how Bob got out. I was crawling out of the cage. <clears throat> so that was his first uh, – whether he'd come off the top before, I, I have no idea. You know, uh
3: that, that jump uh, from what I've read and what I've heard uh, are some of our peers that 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 jump in that match influenced so many guys and so many guys claimed to have been at that garden that night from from Mick Foley to Bubba Ray to uh, to Jesus Christ and several other people <laughs> <laughs> that were all there that night so that whatever whoever was there man, are you, you
2: by Dun- Jerry are you putting Bubba Dudley and Jesus Christ in the same crowd?
3: <laughs> and don't tell Bubba I said that, please. I know Bubba. You know.
2: <laughs>
3: but, uh, well, yeah. and they have uh, they hang out together a lot.
2: So. <laughs> I mean, Bubba was, had important friends. I didn't know it that big.
0: <laughs> High places.
2: <laughs> but you're right. People, everybody claims to be have been there. You know, you know Foley and Bubba apparently were there. I don't know if Jesus Christ was, but it's it's funny how everybody. Oh, I was there that night. I was
0: there that night. You see, well, USA had Mag too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's right.
0: <laughs> USA had picked up those garden shows, so USA I think aired it uh, live, and they did uh, some kind of cable record. I, I guess they had they pro- promoted it and programmed it because they had that New York. You know, like they got that channel, that station right. in in New York where they sh- showing the. Uh, in the city where they show the garden shows and stuff like that. So, but yeah, uh, yes. at the,
3: the, network, I think it was
0: USA had just picked it up, and they were shooting garden shows. I was that before Doctor D slept the Stossel, or
3: that was before right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, that, that, didn't, that
3: didn't come until
0: after it before WrestleMania. Hulk. Yeah, I came up later with Hulk. Yeah, yeah.
3: after WrestleMania, yeah. So
0: yeah wonder was you there that night I think so i I, I, I think those are I'm, I was i was I, I don't think I was in the territory I think I was up there uh I was up there show doing some promos or something I was I wasn't far from coming in and I think they put me in the first match with Tony and guys were you know oh they shouldn't put you on the first match there in the garden you know but you know it just had a match and um Fuji and Stossel and Dr. D was, you know, all that was going down over there.
3: Yeah, I was, I was in the dressing room when it happened. We heard all that commotion and everything. We're just getting ready to go to the ring. We didn't know whether Stossel was knocked out cold or what. We just heard all this commotion as we we're coming out of the door. And, and we, everybody, you know, everybody in the dressing room felt it coming, you know, and, uh, and Stossel, yeah, or Schultz, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill this son of a bitch if he asks me. You know, I'm gonna kill him. And uh, so he asked him, and uh, <laughs> what'd you say? I mean, he gave him a chance, you know. And uh, wow, I mean, uh, we we hit, the, we saw him hit the floor, and about that time they were rushing us through the ring, so we didn't know ever see the aftermath, what happened. <laughs> so
2: he didn't know if he killed him or what.
3: We didn't know if he killed him or what. We just saw him down on the floor shaking. You know?
2: What was he? You, you know, know, Jack you know you on a, you know, that night. What? Was it you and Jack wrestling that night?
3: Yeah, we were wrestling uh, Murdoch and Adonis, I believe, that night.
2: Oh, wow. So you yeah. saw uh, Stossel hit the floor.
3: We saw him hit the floor. We were coming out of the door, and all the lights were just right at the side of the door. They were interviewing. We saw Stossel standing there. because we knew who Stossel was from TV, you know, and we knew yeah. the vol- volatility of, of Schultz. And Schultz had been saying, because the, the word was out that, you know, they were, they were there. They were interviewing wrestlers that they were trying to... Put the expose out on them wrestling. Schultz said, I'll kill the son of a bitch, he asked me. <laughs> and he asked him. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, you know, people had to know Schultz. People who knew Schultz knew what was gonna happen. And I um I don't know that's if nobody been set it up. I, I that's what I was gonna say. I don't know if Dave was really set up to do that because they knew how he would respond or if it was just a spur the moment, but
0: Don answered
3: the question for me.
0: <laughs> it was set up. Yeah, Vince, Vince. knew in his heart was going. Did you know? Given any kind of rope, that he'd be slapping the guy. Wouldn't be. Wouldn't. wouldn't be long. You know, before he'd, he'd tell off and smack him. Doctor, you know, you know, Dave. So he was that kind of guy anyway. You know, he was always, uh, you know, always talking, always angry. Always, for sure. So, Jerry, you're not saying
2: you're saying that he might not have been set up, but the table was laid perfect for it, right?
3: Uh, it was said, man, with the finest oh, yeah. silver and the finest china you could display. <laughs> <man>. <laughs>
2: So Jerry, what what was the feeling right afterwards?
3: I mean, did anybody say anything? Did anybody well, listen? when we come back from the ring, of course, we wanted to know if the guy dead or alive. Oh, he's okay. <laughs> he's okay. And just slapping Schultz, just slapped the shit out of him, and Schultz sitting over the corner, you know, doing the twitching and all that shit. And then we and we just heard heard all the loud noise, and Hogan coming. Oh, Hogan coming. Brother, you missed out, you? <laughs> what happened? Uh, he told us, uh, I said, well, we saw him hit the floor. He said, yeah, he slapped him. I think he said, I think he got him twice on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> so he wasn't, so he wasn't pull enough of that. But everybody, everybody expected, everybody knew what was going to happen. I mean, it just come, the timing was just there and it was just, you know, and Schultz, Schultz was Schultz. And, uh, you know, and uh, so, uh, like I said, uh, you know, a lot of us, Thought you know it was a set up deal too. You know, or, or, you know he was put in that position to do that. <laughs> it sounds through.
2: like Stossel was a guy that was a pain, and nobody really wanted him around. Right. And so you, Schultz was conveniently put right in front of him.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and there and, you know we were we were on some some piercing questions. I mean, you you know. Sausal didn't really say who he wanted to interview. And I, because I, he was just basically getting guys that were popping out of the dressing room at the right time and
0: everything. And, uh, and those uh, guys in those days, those guys would come with attitudes too, though. Yeah. They they would come in there, you know, they would, they would have, they'd have a, they would, they would, you know, like nowadays people are more, you know, uh, respectful, more, yeah, more respectful, more in those days they're trying to, you know, they're trying to make an ass out of you. Well, and,
3: was there to get something sensational. And yeah, and he succeed. got it. He did.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Jerry, you, you think that maybe it might be you? Because you were in Kuwait when Vader slapped the reporter, too.
3: I just happen to have that influence on people. John, for some <laughs> so, I bring out anger at guys. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I brought out anger at you all over the country of Germany and South Africa.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you sure did. You've been bringing out anger and me. And I
3: brought out anger and Don Morocco in Florida, Georgia, and the Carolinas, and all over the damn United States, traveling with WWE for like a two or three months. <laughs> Don, Don but, was the reason, John, that Jack quit in the business
0: there. Oh, I was just going to tell that story. <laughs> Don, oh Don oh Morocco my drove my
3: brother out of the business. That's
0: terrible. <laughs> I was just going to tell that we got back. We're on a red-eye flight. It's a, it's a funny story. We're on a red-eye flight back to Newark. We got back to Newark. I don't know if you know, the, the, but the parking lots, you don't know what the hell. We is like 10 degrees, snow, wet, all, you know, horrible. And we're, we're going up and down all over the parking lots, freezing, looking for cars. <laughs> and couldn't find it. This is a, you know, five, six o'clock in the sun. Sun just came up. So we're walking, looking for cars. And, I was in here. J- I'm out of here. <laughs> that's it. I quit. I'm out of here. Sure enough, Jack was gone, <laughs> and that's the day Jack quit the business. You're yeah. on New the York. red
3: eye, but going from the red eye, going from the plane to the parking lot, we happened to pass one of those fine establishments there at the Newark uh, Airport Hotel uh, Airport that sold alcohol. And Don said, come on, let's get some crevassier. He used to love that crevassier brandy, right, Don? Yeah. That was your favorite. That was in So, you know, it's bloody merry morning. So uh we would go in and we we hit those up uh, probably more than than what we should have. And so we were feeling no pain, except Jack was feeling the cold. So we that that then we made our way out to the parking lot. Uh, and Don was right. I mean. You couldn't see Don's car for lumps. All we could see is lumps of ice out in the damn distance where the parking lot was. Jack just shook his head. I'm gone. <laughs> that
0: was it. He was
3: too. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like Morocco disappearing from Florida. Jack disappeared
0: from New Jersey. I've <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, done, done a few disappearing. Just made a few disappearances.
2: <laughs> so some guys have big Hall of Fame, you know, retirement parties. Uh, the legendary Jack brisco retired in a frozen parking lot <laughs> after a bunch of morning toddies hot toddies
3: yeah basically and what, what a departed crew he had being in Morocco man
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's
3: great
4: Let's
1: take a time out here and while we normally have a lot of fun on this show this is a pretty serious topic life insurance specifically Goliath life insurance. Let me give you a pro tip, we're all gonna die. So before you get a visit from The Undertaker, think just for a second about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. With life insurance from GoliathLife.com, what we're really talking about is protecting what you've worked so hard to provide for both you and more importantly, your family. You see, life insurance isn't about you, it's about those who matter the most to you. Sure, you do a great job taking care of them now, But who would do that if something awful happened to you? I just lost two friends in the last year and a half, 142 with two kids. The other 46 who left behind a wife and three kids. Thank God they had insurance and Hey, I hear you. Nobody wants to think or talk about life insurance. Think about this. You might not get in a car accident, but you have auto insurance. You might not get sick, but you have health insurance. So we'll protect our car and we'll even protect ourselves from like crazy medical bills. Will we protect our family? That's what life insurance means to me peace of mind. Goliathlife.com streamlines the life insurance purchase process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers all at the same time and at the same place. Goliathlife.com. You'll do a fast and easy application and have multiple quotes within minutes. And oh, by the way, Goliathlife.com has solutions for every budget. And maybe best of all, You pick your terms and payments at goliathlife.com. Once you pick your price, you can start the online application immediately and check this out. You can even schedule the medical exam to happen in your home. You don't even have to leave the house to do this. And yes, I have done this. I sent someone to my office. It was fast. It was easy. And it was unlike anything I expected. I got to skip the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations, and even the multiple visits to the doctor's office that we all hate so much. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. Goliathlife.com promises no hidden fees, no upsell, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands, on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at Goliathlife.com.
2: So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. They'll always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? It's time to get off the couch, Back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, head to bluechew.com. Guys, there's nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can give you the confidence where it counts.
0: Oh, <laughs> those are rugged days. Those are the first days of uh, Vince Jr. They were they were, they were rugged. Those are rugged times. Those, those
3: two are done. What were they? 20, 30 days in a row, sometime man.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you.
3: And they were brutal, John. Uh, John, there was no no organization to them whatsoever. Here on the East Coast on Monday, West Coast on Tuesday, back on the East Coast, then you're in the Midwest, and you're back
0: in the either East or West, right, Don? I mean, you just know didn't know where you're going. One, one time, one time we we were, we were our planes were delayed, and we got a later flight or something. We walked in on a Glow Trotter game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a Salt Lake City, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Went to the wrong route, Portland, or Salt Lake. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, there were two or three
3: arenas there. We went to the wrong damn arena. Yeah, we walked, walked saw, in there. Here we are. We yeah. saw a full parking lot in front of this arena, man. This has got to be the place. You know, it's full. Yeah. We walked in and them go flood trotters are playing. You no, know, they, wanted, they wanted us to join them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don, what was the uh,
2: difference between uh, senior and junior working for You worked for both. What was the difference?
0: Whoa. Hmm. Uh, senior was laid back, you know. All uh, stop promoter, you know, respect. Uh, uh, he had the house in Delaware, in the house in, in Lauderdale. He liked to play the horses. He came, you know, then watch the match. He wasn't, you know, not... It wasn't full on, you know, the book ran the booking out of a, you know, regular, you know, big, big booking, booking sheet and stuff, you know, booking, you know, have the, had a lot of the, uh, you know, the Philadelphia's and the Pittsburgh's and the big shows they booked. And then the, uh, the and stuff would fill in the, you know, all the, the spot shows, whatever they could get, who they get in Jersey and who get shots in Pennsylvania or New York, or whatever, you know, smaller towns. Um, and then when Vince came, it was just insane, you know, up, uh, whoo, marketing commercials, TV interviews, you know, go, 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 go. You really didn't have time to think, to complain, you know, you're, you're moving so fast, you know, and doing all kinds of, you know, Fuji and I were doing all those skits and stuff and doing all kinds of, you know, you're doing all kinds of stuff, not, not related to wrestling. So you kind of had your mind, you know, pushed off to the side where you're, you know, you're kind of uh, fooling yourself that you actually were a star, you know, some kind of doing uh, soap operas and and all kinds of crap.
3: Uh, Don, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned Fuji, stuff with Fuji, that that Fuji vice is one of the most entertaining things that WWE, WWF. Ever ever put on TV? How, how scripted were those things? Or did you and Fuji, were you guys given leeway to just kind of go? I had it?
0: a script. I had a script, and usually, you know, the people I was with, Fuji didn't have a script.
3: <laughs> if he did, Fuji, he took it to the drugstore.
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Fuji, Fuji could, you know, withstand the taste of the test of time, the taste of time. But, you know, him, Fuji would just. You know, he, he could just murder murder English like, you know, like nobody's business. And he would, um, remember the guy Nelson? He, he worked on Baltimore? Yeah. He, he did the Nelson, he did, they said, well, we don't, we don't, we just, we don't give. So we had a, a basic script that we followed. But, you know, and, and Fuji had, you know, lines, but, you know, if he ran with them, they, they just let him go. You know, and I, you know, usually had, what's her name? Uh, Mula, my love interest, or, uh-huh. you know, so, so, and then I got into the, the monologue, uh, just, you know, the, uh, the premise behind all those things was, uh, the worse, the better. And, and for that, we, we were, we were worse. You know, we, 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 <laughs> lived, we lived up, we lived up to all that, uh, you lived up
3: expectation. Too. <laughs> That man, they were entertained. Fuji, Fuji was so much fun to be around. I mean, you know, even the young, 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 young people that, that listen, listen out there, they, they, they've heard Fuji and they've heard the reputation of Fuji. Can you give us any real first-hand story that's kind of fam, family-friendly that we can share on this?
2: Show? Are not family-friendly either <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> oh my God. I can't think of too many family friendly. You can tell us whatever. Well, you, you know, he shave guys' eyebrows, and shave shave half half a beard. <laughs> he get him drunk. Bobby Jaggers, remember Bobby Jaggers? Bobby Jaggers, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> was, you know, Bobby Bobby's one of the guys. had all this. Well, when Thez was this, he'd have Thes stories, and uh, you know, guys from the thirty. You know, Bobby was always tight. He was a good guy, but yeah, <laughs> I. Some they lived up around Hayward and they all, they all lived together with food job, They all lived Lonnie main Fuge, uh, Von Bronner or Von Steiger, one of them. And they'd get, uh, some so, so Jaggers was part of their crew and he was always talking and, and you know, you he, get himself in trouble. So they'd get him fall down crazy drunk every night, every night after the matches. I like, go oh, a nights nice different night. They, they, they painted his, uh, they they painted it the, the, the glass on his on his on his Corvette, they painted it all black. They, when he got in drunk, he couldn't he couldn't see out just different stuff like that. You know, and, you know, that was when they started cutting off the you know you know, the the, you know John, that's really the, safe,
2: you know, for a drunk guy to get behind the wheel of a car and all those windows are black.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he, he he drove and crashed the car. Yeah, the Jaggers, they they did, they did all kinds of stuff to him. They're always getting mad, beating them up, and you know, have, 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 I don't know. I get a, In a business a
2: full of tall tales, Bobby yeah. Jagger stands at the top of tall yeah. tales.
0: <laughs> uh, what, was kind the, way what was the
3: partner's name down here, Don? I had a Jay It was uh Bobby Jaggers, and I can't remember the other kid. But Ron Bass, who yep. Bass. Yeah, yeah, he was one of them. Yeah, man. What what a team they were, though they were dynamic together. Yeah, they're good looking, big guy, you know, good sized guys. Ain't talker, good and talking and personality like crazy, it just oozing with personality all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: But he had a mouth that'd get him in trouble all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Bobby came
2: in, we we're in Kansas City. We ran the old arena there, Jerry. And uh, Bobby came in, and he had some card. He was, like, saying he was the mayor of the city or a councilman or something. (laughs) Like, Bobby, just stop. Just stop. (laughs) And he may have been. I don't know. But he he had a reputation for uh, creativity.
3: Creativity. (laughs) At
2: least, yeah. You know, Fuji, uh, when I came to WWE, Fuji was, you know, toward the end of his run. but He was there for quite a while with Fuji. And I would just watch him because I, I was scared to death of it <laughs> because I would heard so many stories about Fuji. <laughs> Shaving eyebrows, things going in bags. I would sit there and talk to him, and the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, okay, is he pulling something on me? Is he not pulling something on me? I thought he was awesome. He was great. But I was uh, very aware around Mr. Fuji. You had to have a oh, great kept- time uh, riding with Fuji.
0: Did you ride with Fuji also? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I traveled with him. Well, he was my manager for. We were together, you know, for quite a while, several months, all through all those. You know, he was all the. Whew. When the Hulk, when Hulk, uh, when Hulk came in, I don't exactly remember how, but I ended up with Fuji yeah. as my manager.
3: Yeah, what a crew you guys had together at that time. You had uh, you uh, Fuji, you had Piper, you had uh, Cowboy Orton, and Hogan, and. Uh, and uh, and uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, I mean, Paul just, man, just Orndorff was something special back in those days when he done. Yeah,
0: yeah. He was, I, you know, it he was, it he he was fun. Then, 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 Tony Atlas and Moskris and uh, you know those, those guys were were around. Adrian Adonis, and was you
3: there when my and Adonis were tagging?
0: Yeah yeah what a what a pair huh? uh, yeah. day and night
3: combination yeah, but they, clicked, they, they really clicked together though they you know they they had that old school work both of them had that same style of
0: old school. boy they have two guys Amen. who could work their ass off each either one of them man was, i still talk about murdoch was that uh that uh west texas uh, Doy funk jr you know that that uh, that Dory, Dory Senior, whatever, that that's cool, and he, he was you know master of it. You know, been, been in Japan with him half a dozen times. You just watch him work with the Japanese guys. You know, just you know how. And, and then Adonis, all well, his his style what was it Fred Atkinson yeah, the guy from up around Buffalo or from Hamilton Buffalo. that broke yeah. him in, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, if 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 uh, media would have been the same uh, as in later days as when Mur- Murdoch was going, Murdoch would be held at, in the same esteem as a Terry Funk. Now, I mean, because uh, Murdoch was that good and 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 that that had that kind of charisma and ability to to do anything you needed to do in the ring.
0: Yeah, ring ring wise, but he wasn't you know, not crazy, not as crazy as, as Terry could be. <laughs>
2: Murdoch and Dusty were a great team. I mean, Murdoch and
0: Dusty, those guys were fantastic together. Yeah, in, in Minneapolis they
3: were together. Wait, was that your time in Minneapolis when they were together?
0: Yeah, yeah. I I been I was with Dusty for a week in Japan when he was finishing up for uh, Oklahoma for Watts and stuff, and uh, Vern sent him to sent him to Japan for, and that's why I hooked up with Dusty. First time I met Dusty. And he came in and you know, we're talking. So, right at the, the, when he first started doing the promos, I was at the airport and Larry Henning is, oh, this guy, Dusty Rhodes. I was, yeah, I was with him in Japan. I was watching, you know, I'd, I'd seen some of his tapes and stuff. So, I wasn't too surprised, but everybody was there was, whoa, hey, daddy, let's go. It's American Dream, you know. And then come, coming down, he did his Brian Blair impression. <laughs> That's right.
3: Well, oh, the way Thank Blair got a book out for sale on Amazon it said, "Be uh, Truth Be Told. We'll, we'll give that up another plug. Here. That's right. Oh, Rob Blair's God.
2: book, Truth Be Told. We'll give another plug to it. We've only given about 4,000 plugs for it. We, he we he, he was on our it. show
3: recently and I, he must have plugged that book uh, like 99 times. You know, Brian, you know, forever businessman, you know, every, every breath he was saying, <laughs> uh, saying he, would, he would bring the title of the book up. And it's oh, a great yeah. book, by the way, too.
0: Truth I always talk about that time at uh, Yeehaw Junction.
3: Yeah, when we had to jun- tell that story last week—the mooning story.
0: Oh God, that, that was funny. <laughs> that was just Everybody just sitting in the, everybody sitting in the restaurant. He had to come in.
2: <laughs> 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 That's the best part.
0: <laughs> yeah, After he's just you know hanging out, of, hanging out of the, hanging out of the trunk with his pants down, and then you know it. Got, you know, and everybody's sitting. where, you know, giving me a, a BLT or whatever, you know, soup and sandwich or whatever. What a topic for a, your BLT! Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was he was as red as he was as red as red. You know, he was just red. Or beeper, uh, man. Uh, he would
3: he would game for any rib that you wanted to pull, and he was usually the butt of all of them, speaking the butt. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don, every time we asked him a question, he would hold up his book. He goes, as I say in my book. Oh, God. <laughs> it was great.
0: Uh, so is he, he selling any? What's that? Is he selling any of them? Yeah, it's it's, a, it's it's
3: one of the top sellers in harassing Don, uh, booksellers. Oh, yeah, right on. Yeah, so it it's not a bad book, uh, you know. So what, the, guy, the guy the guy that's doing it is getting ready to write one on Butch and Luke, which should be very interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now Luke is coming back over from New Zealand to uh to Florida here real soon.
0: I didn't know he went to New Zealand.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. Which one's in one of them's in New Zealand. I don't know which one it might be that one.
0: But oh maybe that's Butch.
3: Yeah. One of them's in New Zealand. Teddy whichever Williams one whichever is in New Zealand's coming up. Who's the Come one on. living in Clearwater? Now one of them's living in Clearwater. I don't know which one. <laughs> don't Teddy, don't put the Teddy. pressure on me, Don. Come on now. <laughs> that's,
0: that's Teddy. That's Teddy Williams.
3: Yeah. Yeah, he's that's, coming uh, too. Uh, He'll be Luke. there too, yeah. Uh,
0: plus Luke, others. Yeah. Plus others. You know, there
3: are so damn many. One of them, you know, there were the bushwhackers. There were the, the sheep herders, There were Butch and Luke. I mean, you don't, you don't know which one's coming.
0: Yeah. No, but Butch was... Uh, they, they, when we, we did, I did the tour in New Zealand. In New Zealand with them, we lost the TV. <laughs> <laughs> lost the TV. Yeah, we ran had, we had a couple, we had two two tours in New Zealand. I think it was with. Uh, oh no, they were in the second one. We went to all the big, the big outdoor outdoor venues and stuff, and, and did well. And then they backed the third one. some woman was going around. You know, in those days they're going. Oh, don't do the wrestling holes; they'll hurt the kids, and you know and all that, all that stuff on TV. So they, the, the the TV yeah, was pulled from New Zealand television, and the tour just died. We had that that uh, the Viking uh, Borga Ludwig or Ludwig Borga. Yeah, yeah, he was down there, and he was a classic. He, and so I remember the last day with the dynamite day Di- day Di- uh or johnny smith and he was driving a van or racing the vans i was out of my mind these guys so we pulled out and shovel was giving guerrero was giving somebody a hard time uh of uh, the the borga vorga about ah, the races and he pulled out and he went to go like on american or you know uh an american land and he ran head-on to the smallest Little little truck you've ever seen in your life. This whole couple ran head on into them, <laughs> just, just, smashed the hell out of them. Last day of the tour. Oh God! <laughs> um, Don, are you still doing your way. your podcast, Making Waves? No, no, I stopped that for a while. Guy, I was gonna do it, and then he, the guy. uh, guy from England called me and he wanted to start it. My wife, I gave all these to my wife and daughter when we went into COVID to start all the, you know, to start all the pictures and the doll, whatever, you know, whatever they sell online. Because, you know, my wife got laid off and she wasn't, you know, she was just you know, doing nothing. So I looked at everybody start that. So I started, started that podcast there. Then another one came up and I was going to do the other one. But the Making Waves guy didn't want me to... Do anything else, and I said, "Yeah, you know, it's just advertising. It's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not even for me." But then, the, so we—I just broke off from there. But I have that, another one on YouTube. Um, Don Morocco's magnificent podcast, or something magnificent something—I don't know. The guy from uh, the guy from England puts it together. Uh, Any release, That's all the recent releases I have going out around now. Oh, yeah, got you really
3: we got some fantastic clips out there. People should take a look at yeah, them. What, what's the guy's
2: that. name from England that you do the that you do the stuff with?
0: James Romero.
2: Yeah, he's the one that you've done like the wrestling shoot interviews stuff,
0: stuff yeah, with, right? Yeah. He's, he's, did a, he's he did really a book good. on the rock. He did a book on Owen Hart. Seems to be pretty well uh well, you know, a lot of facts. Stuff because I don't, you know, remember times and dates and stuff. He's boom boom, he's right there. He brings them all up, so he, he's pretty good.
2: Yeah, he's got a great style about him. He's just he's not uh, yeah. doesn't seek yeah. dirt. He just I really enjoy listening to the guy. He's really good at what he does. Yeah,
0: he doesn't try to take over the show. He just you know, he just lays lays the questions and stuff and comments out. He takes them, and we have a you know pretty smooth interaction.
2: Yeah, it is. It's really good. I, I enjoyed. It. I was I was watching a lot of it getting ready for this uh, interview today to just to do more history look up on, on, on you.
0: Yeah,
2: that's the reason All we the- started our uh, podcast. Was uh, COVID? We just uh, were born yeah. We wanted to give people something to smile about, so we thought we'd get together and tell some old stories and have some friends on. And
0: that's yeah, what we do. Uh, you know, we yeah, don't bear, I, we yeah, don't bury anybody.
2: We don't dig up dirt. We just, we yeah. Just I don't, I, do, I
0: don't go, I don't go there. I don't tell <laughs> the my my drunken stories as far as I go. <laughs> I guess Valentine. I guess Valentine's exposed me a few times. So every time I say Valentine, I go, (laughs) you know, know, (laughs) one of those. uh, But 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 Don, yeah, I'd like to talk
3: Your life's an open book, Don. I mean, Valentine exposed you, and there's nothing Uh, out there that that we don't already know. (laughs) Oh, if only.
0: Is he still down there in Tampa?
3: Yeah, he's over in Clearwater, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I got, We uh, were Val- trying to get him on, on that, that, that podcast.
3: Yeah,
2: Valentine's there yeah. in
0: Clearwater, Jerry? Yes. Greg? Greg,
3: the turtle. The turtle, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I got to wrestle uh, Greg, you know, which is a great thrill. Uh, as far as uh, Crockett was running Texas or something. And somebody, they they, they didn't promote in Waco. So the heart of Texas arena seats thousands of people and the promoter got mad at Crockett and didn't even put it up on the billboard outside. So 47 people showed up, but it was a bald show. So Crockett says we're going to run a full hour and a half. So I go out there with Greg Valentine, who's this great worker. You know, I thought this is easy. You know, we're in the last match. And it's not this easy. Johnny Valentine showed up to watch Greg. I've been in easier car wrecks. Than- <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, Greg! There's 47 people here. He goes, and my dad. <laughs> oh, you're,
0: you're killing me! Oh my god, <laughs> you're killing me! Uh, but you only had one speed anyway, though. So oh. it might have been might have been he- a little heavy, but there's one speed. That's and right. Clearly. It was the
2: same speed. It was just it was just very heavy. Yeah. Every punch was just an inch longer. <laughs> Just enough to really hurt.
3: <laughs> Very heavy. And in, in Carolina, is when when Piper and Valentine was doing that dog collar match when they first brought that out. Uh, I was I had a night off. I had a Saturday or Sunday night off. I can't remember which night it was, but I remember Crockett giving me a call. They were going around working the dog collar match to get used to it, so they could they could have the Greensboro blow off match with the dog collar match. So Piper got his neck hurt really bad in, in a warm-up match with the, with Valentine, and, and the dog collar match, and he couldn't make a, that big show on either Saturday or Sunday night. I think it was Winston-Salem or Greensboro. So Crockett called me and asked me if I'd fill in for Crockett. He didn't tell me what match I was filling in. He just told me, come up, you got a good spot, you know, you know take care of you. blah, blah, blah. Now I got up there, and they told me I was a dog collar match. Man, I was so pissed at Piper. I said, now all the matches, you know, you give me a match where you get your damn neck broke, and then and you want me to fill in for you that one night, you know. And I went uh, out there in Valentine. I didn't have a clue, you know, dog collar matches. i have been in, in chain matches, but our Valentine beat the holy crap out of me, and I cussed Piper out for like two years out
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Don, I. I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. I mean, I, when Jerry told me that we were gonna get the the Rock, the Magnificent Morocco, on, I was so thrilled to to get you on and, and talk to you. I've been such a big fan of everything you've done your whole career, and like I say, yeah, we have a lot in common. We both got landed on the cage, and we're there both, you go. and we're both professional jobbers. <laughs> there you go. Funny down, how the down, heels. Down, funny down, how down. the heels never win.
3: <laughs> no, no. The, the John and I are, are, are you know we just started this podcast a few months back. Well, we we're, we're, we're always trying something different, so we want to try something with the with the magnificent uh, The Rock Morocco tonight. We're doing what we call the B Square Risky Bradshaw. It's the B Square five count a uh, five five uh, point count out. So what what we're gonna do? I'm just just looking for a short answer, yes or no, or something like that, whatever then. Just answer the question as briefly and as sh- shortly as you can. I'll start out. We're gonna ask five questions. I'm gonna start out Budweiser or Metal Light. Metal Light. No,
2: Favorite TV show growing up.
0: 50th State Wrestling. <laughs> All right. Very good. Beef
3: jerky or popcorn?
0: Wow. Buttered or plain? Buttered. Oh, boy. Pop, uh, popcorn. The garden or the Coliseum? Garden.
3: I'm going to think of, uh, of a number one, two, or three. What number I'm thinking of?
0: Three,
3: no, <laughs> congratulations, Don. You just won the five count B, B square, five count. Uh, bump.
2: wait a minute, All how, right. how do we know that? You, how do we know that three is not the right answer?
3: Because I said it oh, wasn't, no, I wasn't thinking about three, Don. I was thinking <laughs> That's some about some
2: Oklahoma two. Bull, bullshit, right? That,
3: that, <laughs> hey, he won, he won. You know, uh, you, well, you, know you know what you said, it wasn't going to be the right answer.
2: I guarantee it wasn't the right answer. You could have guessed one, two, and three. And
3: Jerry would I mean, have said, pretty, no, no you, got you got it wrong. Three I mean, you got, you got a pretty good damn mind to get, the that's to get it right. some Oklahoma black
0: magic right there. There you go.
3: Don, <laughs> uh, thanks so much for coming on. I know we had, thanks for your lovely little wife that we finally got you on air here today. But, man, thanks. Thanks for taking the break from beautiful uh, uh, Hawaii Sunset Beach there, man. You're welcome anytime. We've been friends for 50 some odd plus years, and and hope it continues another 50
0: years, my friend. I tell you, thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. I've been reading about you guys and getting all good reports. Thank you. <music>